Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. So tonight I want to talk about the sister of faith. Her name's Healing, Spirit of Healing. We are on a mission to know about more about the healing of God and what He's provided for us, right? Just want to give us a little recap. Faith does not come from striving, but it's the product of surrender. And so if you didn't get Sunday, was it Sunday? If you didn't get Sunday about faith, then, is, then you're not going to be able to walk in healing. So because they are uh, connected together. And, you know, a lot of things in the spirit are connected together. You know, giving and receiving is connected. You're never going to receive anything until you give. You're never going to see healing until you have faith. So it just goes on and on and on in the kingdom. He's a principal type of God. He loves to build on principles, much like math. It's a little bit like math, isn't it, Lynn? You know, it's a little bit like color in my world, but it's a little bit like math in Lynn's world. So um, faith is the realization of the unseen. Faith realizes what the natural man cannot see as a true reality. This is, just a, this is just a recap. Did I say any of this on Sunday? Maybe not. Faith is believing what God says is superior over what you see. Right? So it's really say versus see. Isn't it? Remember, Captain Obvious can say what he sees, but can you step into the Spirit and say what you see? Um. And faith is actually the realizations of things that you just hope for. So if you have any little inkling of hope, does anybody have any little inkling of hope remain? Well, super duper, then you're good in a good place. Um, I made some cool slides and um, Sidwell was going to throw those up eventually. There they are. Healing is our neglected birthright. Now, what does that mean? That means that it's already been paid for. There are certain things that Jesus purchased for you to work the works on earth that you need to work. So one thing you don't have to work for, you don't have to work for salvation. It means you don't have to go through what the children of Israel did where they had to go kill a calf or a lamb or something, whatever was prescribed for that season. And then we don't have to do any of that. That's cool, right? I mean, just think about it. If that's one of the things you had to do when you got home tonight. Okay, wifey, let's go in and let's slaughter us a little lamb. Let's do it just right, right? We don't have to go through all that ritual stuff. Because what did the Old Testament prove? It proved that we couldn't do it without a Savior. And a bunch of other stuff, I know. Um, So God did these three things. He provided healing, prosperity, and protection. Already done. Did I mess up? Okay. Sometimes they talk about my slides down there and I can tell. It's a beautiful, oh, it's a, now it's a beautiful, it's a compliment. This is what God's already provided. So these are the things we are learning to use. You may not be good at it, but it doesn't change that he already provided it. Right? And so like we learned Sunday, there has to be an exercise going on in your daily life where faith has a chance to work itself out. So once you have it, you don't need faith for it anymore. Move on to something else you don't have yet. Move on to something else that God says he wants to happen on earth that's not happening yet. Now, I hope I blow your mind just a little bit tonight. I want to, okay? 
since this is since healing is our inheritance and we have to begin to understand how Jesus demonstrated in all the stories that he did exactly what we're supposed to do when we encounter things that are not lined up with God. And right now, tonight, we're going to talk about healing. Um, Lenny had this amazing dream last night, and her takeaway, am I talking too fast? Her takeaway was, I have a lot to say, and I didn't get to say it all Sunday, so I'm going to talk really fast. God was wanting to do so much through humanity, but the minds of humanity were so cluttered that they couldn't think like him. So that's a good word from the prophet, right? Um, I think as long as we have hangups within ourselves, um, then those become kind of magnified in our life. And so even if we have a desire to go out and change the world, sometimes we take our hangups with us, right? And I propose to us, that's why that we don't see the greater things done. But let's look at this story real quick. In um, I've got four stories to tell you. Uh, Matthew 15, Mark 9, Mark 5, and Matthew 12. And then we're going to jump over to James 5. Mark 9, let's turn there real quick. Mark 9 is this story. In the Passion, the title of this little segment is called The Disciples Were Unable to Cast Out a Demon. So now when they came down the mountain to the other nine disciples, they noticed a large crowd of people had gathered around them with the religious scholars arguing with them. The crowd was astonished to see Jesus himself walking towards them, so they immediately ran to welcome him. What are you arguing about with the religious scholars, he asked them. A man spoke up from the crowd, Teacher, I have a son possessed by a demon. Now if he's possessed by a demon, do you think he needs healing? It's a good question, isn't it? Some of y'all don't even know how to answer that. You went, I have a son possessed by a demon that makes him mute. Does he need healing? Great. I brought him here to you, Jesus. Whenever the demon takes control of him, it knocks him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes with his teeth, and his body becomes stiff as a board. I brought him to your disciples, hoping that they could deliver him, but they were not able to do it. And Jesus said, a compliment. Why are you so faithless? That was a compliment. Why? It was an indicator of what they were missing. Can Jesus talk to you this way? Or are you a wimp? And when he tells you what you don't have, are you like, oh, say, well, can you go close that door? It makes it a little cooler in here. We can't heat that part in this part too. It says, why are you such a wimp? I mean, why are you such a faithless people? How much longer must I remain with you and put up with your unbelief? Now bring the boy to me. As soon as they brought the boy to him, the demon saw Jesus. These are clues, girls and boys. These are clues. The demon saw Jesus and it threw the boy on the ground with convulsions. He fell on the ground, rolled around, foamed in his mouth. Well, they just said what he was going to do, right? So it's not anything new, right? And Jesus turned to the father and said, how long has your son been tormented like this? So Jesus classified that as torment. I don't know about you. Some of us live with stuff. 
Jesus classified it for us. It's literally torment. And he said, since childhood, there's another clue. I don't have time to go through all these clues. It tries over and over to kill him by throwing him into the fire, into the water. So please, if you're able to do something, you know, of course, I would be like going to get him away from the fire and water, but that's okay. <laughs> please, if you're able to do something, anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, what do you mean if? Another compliment. And he said, basically, I'm able. Can you believe? If you are able to believe, I can do this. Because all things are possible to who? What's a believer? Somebody who has faith. See, they're connected. It's all about what I believe is possible. Jesus just said right there, everything is possible. Even the impossible is possible. Do you have any impossibles? No? Yes? Those are the things that he wants to target. The things that are possible for you to do, you don't need him. I mean, he actually gave you the ability and you forgot that. But, right? All things are possible. When he heard this, the, bo- the, father's, the boy's father cried out, the bothers cried out with tears saying, I do believe. Sometimes you just need to say that. Let's practice. I do believe. Come on again. I do believe. You're going to need to practice this this week, okay? And he said what? Lord, help my what? My little, tiny, itty, bitty faith. Lord, help my unbelief in the Amplified. Lord, help my tiny faith, my little faith in the Passion. Now, when Jesus saw that the crowd was quickly growing larger, he commanded the demon saying, deaf and mute spirit, I command you to come out of him and never to enter him again. The demon shrieked through the boy into terrible seizures and finally came out of him. As the boy lay there looking like a corpse, everyone thought he was dead, but Jesus stooped down and gently took his hand and raised him up to his feet and he stood there completely free. Afterwards, Jesus arrived at the house and his disciples said, why couldn't we cast out the demon? So here's two things about this story we need to recognize. Number one is that the disciples weren't satisfied with unanswered prayers. If they, if they had been, there wouldn't be any need of conversation. I love what Bill said. He asked this question, are we okay to live with unanswered prayer? And this is what he said. This number six said, well, lack of conviction and lack of burning hearts allows us to live with unanswered prayer. So the disciples actually demonstrated something to us. They knew they couldn't do it. It said they couldn't do it. They experienced they couldn't do it. But, they, but Jesus told them they could do it. Right? And so that's got to be part of this inertia, if you will, this passion in our heart. Instead of being satisfied with when I do something and I don't have it. Come on, let's be honest. How many have ever prayed for someone and nothing happened? 
How many that made you want to say, man, I'm going to go find everybody I can and I'm going to pray that same prayer over and over and over again. One person. What's going on? What? Yeah, Shudi keeps praying. What happens? What happens when Jesus said, you can do it, and we pray a little prayer, it doesn't happen. I love what Bill was talking about today. I was listening to this. I've had I've listened to this um, neg- our neglected birthright for years. But he was talking about that he had a an assistant, and she began to experience some pain, and they didn't know what it was, and so they began to pray, and the next service or whatever he asked the lady's husband, how she was doing. And he said, well, to be honest, she's worse. And Bill said, why? He said, well, because, you know, now the pain's really bad. Well, where's the pain? And Bill said, what do you think he said? That's amazing. That's a good thing. Because he said, now we know where it really is. He said, every time you begin to pray, it's demonstrated in this story right here. Jesus prayed, and what did happen? The boy went into a terrible seizure. Every time you pray, I think Johnny Enlow's been saying it, several people have been saying it, that any time a demon is about to be removed, it has to present itself. Okay, so let's think about that. Are you you okay? That's why we can't be scared of what's under our feet. Because once it presents itself, I actually can see it. Are you, are you good? And so once I can see it, I actually know how to target my prayers. Now, I love what Bill said. He said this. He said, anytime an affliction, that's his word, gets more painful under prayer, like after you started praying. Anybody had this happen? Beautiful. You're a target. It's because the anointing torments the demon. And the reason he'll increase the pain is to try to bring fear to the person who's sick or fear to the person who's praying. Does it work? Does it work on you? That's the only question you have to ask. Does that tactic work on you? Have you ever prayed some, for somebody and something happened? A week later, you heard it was worse? Are you like, man, I'm a powerful prayer. This is amazing. This is where it's at right now. And you keep praying? Or are you like, well, I guess that didn't work. Come on, just be honest. See, if we can realize the tactics of the enemy, we have so much more power to overcome him. That's the time to ramp it up. I like it. He was also saying the enemy's best card is hiding. Hiding in a religious setting. He loves to go unrecognized and unidentified in the pew. It says his last efforts is to try to instigate or ignite fear in people. So he does that with extreme manifestations. So Jesus is showing us here what he did when the demon exercised even more. Think about the demon just exercising. It's a little bit easier to tolerate. He's just exercising what he does. What does he do? He afflicts humans 
on the outside in their flesh. That's, that's, that's what he basically has permission to do. Job was a great story for you to read. But see, when Jesus went and got the keys from him, he removed his authority that we handed to him at the garden. See, if you don't get this, you're going to be miserable your whole life because you'll be waiting for God to come and do some miraculous thing when it's really within your power. And listen, I, trust me, God does amazing things all the time. But I bet somebody's praying somewhere that I don't know anything about. So I want to be that person, right? When, I, when it doesn't work well, I want to go back to Jesus and say, what happened right here? So obviously something was going on right there because he went on, he said, this type of, of a powerful spirit. So he's talking about the level of principality that spirit was. Okay, look, in the supernatural realm, all of the powers of light are from God. All the powers of darkness are from the enemy, right? They were both created the angels were both created. The demonic, because of pride, because of following Lucifer, went was cast, well, they were cast down to the earth. Now they torment what? What's on the earth? Right? They are able to, they can't go to heaven anymore. So if you just look at it in three layers, let's just look at it in three layers. So there's the heavenly realm, there's the non-heavenly realm, there's earth. Let's just go with that. It'll be more simple. I don't have time for that. So the war happens in the heavenlies for what we're contending for. That's why in Daniel it said, hey, I was on my way 21 days ago. Remember what Michael said to Daniel? You prayed, I was on my way. 20. Will we pray for 21 days for anything? It's, the answer is on the way for those who believe. Sometimes it's a contending for something while war is going on. I just like, remember Frank Peretti? He helped us so much. Remember that? This present darkness. Anybody read, read that? And we were like, oh, that's what's going on. Right? This war in the heavenlies is going on. When you begin to realize that we have the power and God is positioning uh, an assault from his throne room to help us with whatever we believe. But Jesus demonstrated to us what a human being can do with another human being. This was a human being to human being connection. Because what? He only did what he saw the father doing. What was the father doing? He was relieving the torment, the tormentor. It doesn't even tell why. That would have been helpful, wasn't it? Because at the end of the day, it didn't matter. All that mattered at the end of the day was who believed. It was the man's belief connected with the healer, with the deliverer that produced the miracle. Right? Let's turn to another story. Are you liking this story? Let's go. Let's do... Let's do Matthew 12. Now, we're going to be starting this deliverance ministry, and so I've been listening to um, Jonathan Kahn. I don't know, have you all heard of Jonathan Kahn, anyone? 
He's a crazy radical dude. He'll mess you up in every part place that's complacent. Um, anyway, he um, he is talking about um, that every little G God that's in operation right now. Now we know it in the prophetic realm as the seven mountains and there's different, I don't have time to go through all this either, but there's different um, little G's at, at the top of these mountains that influence people. Is that a good way to say it? Influence society. So whether you know it or not, you're getting influenced by something and you're making choices. And you know, the Holy Spirit revealed uh, I, this statement to me today, let's see, he said, well, I think I made a, it's uh, number four. Anytime we've had a form of success with fear, using fear like as a guideline or as wisdom or a mentor and advisor, that success is building a stronghold in us that we will have to overcome if we want to learn to yield to the Holy Spirit's way. So any time that you have been in fear, listen, I'm just giving you a truth. I really want you to be free. I want you to be free to make an impact, but I just want you to be free, free, just free, free. Or I want you to do a John 10, 10. I'm a John 10, 10 girl. Do you, do you want to be a John 10, 10 girl or boy? So you have to know where this came in. So anytime I partner with fear, so how does fear start? I tell my story all the time. You know, back in the early 1800s, we didn't have to close our door. I mean, lock our doors at night because there wasn't crime. I lived in a little town called Moore, Oklahoma, and I lived right off of I-35 by the Dairy Queen. And, and at four in the morning, my dad would get him to go to work. And one day, a drunk man was about to come in our door. So my dad had left for work, and the Holy Spirit gave him a check. And he turned right around, drove through the little school parking lot, came right back to the house, and here was this man. He already had his hand on the doorknob, and he was already opening the door. And that's the day fear walked into my life. Why did it walk into my life? Because my mom and dad changed everything. It was noticeable. We started locking the doors. We started checking the doors. Hemi's got that OCD thing where you have to check the door to make sure it's locked. That's just the spirit of fear. That's tormenting. And that's the spirit of fear. And that will lock you down. And you are, you are buying into it that you got to check it and 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 check it. All that stuff is fear. So see, that's a stronghold. Once you're in that mode of checking it, checking it, checking it, you're full-blown in a stronghold. And guess what? That stronghold is going to show up and knock at your door at three in the morning and tell you another thing that you need to be checking, 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 checking. That's what I'm saying. So right then we gave way to the spirit of fear. Now, it sounds logical now that we should lock our doors, right? See, that's what fear does. It's the motive behind why we do things. See, because the Holy Spirit might lead and say, hey, you know, I don't know, get an alarm system. He may do something. I mean, there's some wise things that the Holy Spirit leads us to do. But when we do it out of fear, then it will build a stronghold that we'll have to basically pay the piper one day. And so that stronghold then is in opposition to freedom 
And it's in opposition to what the Holy Spirit wants to do with our lives. And I mean, come on, a lot of y'all in here have been riddled with fear. And I've been working with a lot of y'all for a long time to get out of fear. Every place there's fear, there's a lack of God's love in that place, period. And so there's a lot more work. If we keep doing these fear tactics and keep believing that they are wise and we do more, the older you get, the more these are. And so then your whole life is actually completely surrounded with fear. It's really hard to get out of it, isn't it, Breezy? And so there's a lot of hard work to get out of it, but it's possible. Okay, back to our story. What story was I going to say? Matthew 12. So, no, Jonathan Kahn. So Jonathan Kahn's talking about, sorry, Jonathan Kahn's talking about how that there's these um, little G's that have been in existence even back in biblical days. So um, a good story is um, the Jezebel story, and there were the prophets of Baal, and you know they were sacrificing children and doing all this. And so those, those same gods, those little Gs, have infiltrated America. It's a reality, right? 1974, when we said it was okay to kill children, we just began to sacrifice children in the name of another God. And see, on and on and on. The more things that we do in society that go along with these other gods, you know, the, all this sex trafficking, all of that, that was all going on before. You know, he was talking about how, I think it was Aphrodite was a god back then, and her she had rainbow eyes. And back then, before the gospel was preached in June, they would have a rally um, with all these rainbow flags, and they would have the. It was all about pride. So you know, this thing is going on in June. That's nothing new. Don't act like this is a whole cool new thing. It's not. It's been going on since before you were born. Clearly, so those gods just repeat themselves. Is the point? Right, They just keep repeating over and over and over, and they keep infiltrating society. And so that's what this story is about. This story in Matthew 12 is not about a person. It's about a society problem. And it says, When a demon is cast out of a person, it roams around a dry region looking for a place to rest but never finds it. Then it says, I know what I'll do. I'll return to the house I moved out of. So it goes back only to find that the house is vacant and warm and ready to move back in. Now, here's what it's saying. That when a demon sets up residence, there might be a generation that finds it has authority. But see, if you don't put something in the place of where the demon was, it says it's a dry, warm I mean, it was, it was dry where it was, and it's looking for a warm place. I mean, this is just the way that, that the enemy does it, and he does it through fear. It says, he'll say, I'll go find seven other demons. Why did he pick seven? Seven's the number of, come on, are you with me at all? Seven's the number of, so that's how the enemy knows. This will be the perfect completed function I will do, because see, he works by God's laws too. So he moves back in, and then they're all there together, it says. And the person's condition becomes worse. Now, this isn't, if you, can, if you can 
ask the Holy Spirit to show you new revelation. There's all kinds of stacked stuff just in this one story that we can glean from. Remember, we're talking about the spirit of healing. And so that spirit of healing, whenever someone comes in and brings healing, you've got to make sure you put the Holy Spirit's presence in that place. Come on. This is why we struggle with things over and over again. Okay, let me ask it another way. Have you ever felt like you got a lot of freedom in an area or a little bit of deliverance or a sozo or something and, you know, the next thing you knew, you felt the same way or maybe worse? That's what's happened. You did not instigate the mission of putting the Holy Spirit in His presence in that place. And see, as a society, that's what's happened. Can you see that big picture? And so Jesus is again giving us a warning for where we are right now in society. I think it's a great warning. Right? Now, where, where do I have authority with it in me? Anywhere my foot. <laughs> Remember? Where do you want to walk and where do you want to have authority? Or where do you want to be like, no, I'm not in the mood for that today. I mean, how many of you, your soul or your mood gets in the way of even doing the thing that you actually know to do that will actually help you? It's so weird. All of God's stuff is easy. See, are you heavy? Uh, It just seems so hard, doesn't it? He has prescribed ways to do what? To keep us in the John 10, 10 moment. I've got to know if I've dropped off my peace. I've got to know if I'm under condemnation. I've got to know if I'm believing the enemy. The one thing that happens, especially when, if you haven't been in church for a while, start coming to church. Feels good, doesn't it, just to be in his presence or whatever. Well, what happens church time? With inevitably, what happens church time? I mean, any other day of the week. It's all golden. Come on, let's be kids sick, didn't sleep good the night before, have someone call you. I mean, I literally, we were standing in service one time at the upper room, and I was talking about the Jezebel spirit, and three people in the room, their Jezebel spirit people called them at the same time standing in the room. Do y'all remember that? Do you remember that? They were all, they all just lifted up their phone and showed me, we're like... I mean, I remember we were all just gathered at the front praying, and they are all like, "You think the demonic doesn't is blind? It's not even mute. That's why it puts muteness on people." Are you with me? So, so keep in mind as you're going, as you're getting deliverance, as you're getting healing, as you're getting truth, it's His presence that you need in that spot. Don't stick another, what do you call those things? Vices or don't stick another Dr. Pepper in there. Don't, don't stick another nap in there. You know, one of the weirdest things I've been seeing since I've been talking about the Leviathan spirit is people just get weirdly sleepy at weird times. Like, I think it's been the last three or four weeks that Cece's really been on this Leviathan spirit knocking that thing in the... You know, like, you know, that cartoon that has all. I mean, right before service, I like the last three Sundays, she's like, man, I can hardly keep my eyes open. I said, that's the spirit it's right there. 
Lynn today, she just sat in the home all of a sudden. She goes, man, I can't hardly keep my eyes on. She says, that's that spirit right there. And she said, you get out of here. <laughs> so she said, just like that, me and the dogs were like, yes. <laughs> they all scrambled out to see what had happened. But guess what? It got out of there. Because what was the other option, Nap? Come on, it's a spirit, right? Okay, I'm, I'm helping you. Let's turn to Mark 5. Mark 5. I have more about John, but we'll have to do him another day. Did I say Mark 5? Beautiful. Oh, man, there's so much fun. This is the demonized man set free. They arrived at the other side, verse 1 of the lake. I'm probably not even telling you the scripture references, or am I? Um, at the Gadarenes. Say Gadarenes. That's probably not how you say it, but that's how we're saying it. As Jesus stepped ashore, a demon-possessed madman came out of the graveyard. Dang, that took it up a level, didn't it? And confronted him. The man had been living there amongst the tombs, and no one was able to restrain him, not even with chains. That's why you don't go to the graveyard right there. You never know what you're going to run into there. Let that just be a lesson to you. For every time, for every time they attempted to chain his feet and hands, shackle, he would snap the chains, break the shackles into pieces. He was so strong that no one had the power to subdue him. Okay, we get it, right? Yeah. Crazy dude. Day and night, he could be found lurking around the cemetery of Ascendi, shrieking and cutting himself with stones. When Jesus saw him from a distance, he ran in him. He threw himself down before him. Not Jesus, the man. Shouting at the top of his lungs, leave me alone, Jesus, son of the most high God. So what does that tell us about a demon? I know. Really, let's think about it. I think the end game here for God is that whenever we walk down the street, they will be shrieking. But we're all like, we're all like, oh, right? And he said, uh, swear in God's name that you won't torture me. It says, for Jesus had already said to him, come out of the man, you demon spirit. So Jesus said to him, what's your name? I don't know. What does it say in the? Yeah, mob. Mob. That's what it says. Um, and they, they call me mob because there are thousands of us in this body. And he begged Jesus repeatedly not to expel them out of the region. Wow. Catch it. Nearby there's a large herd of pigs feeding on the, on the hillside. The demons begged him, since the pigs let's enter. So he gave them permission. And the demon horde immediately came out of the man and went to the pigs. This caused the herd to rush madly down the steep slope and fall into the lake, drowning about 2,000 pigs. At this... Say, at this. at this. The herdsmen ran to the nearby villages, telling everyone along the way what had happened, for the people came out to see for themselves. And when they found Jesus, they saw the demonized man sitting there properly clothed. Good news. He had clothes on <laughs> properly and in his right mind. Seeing what had happened to the man possessed by many demons, the people became afraid. Those who had witnessed this miracle reported the news to the people, including what happened to the pigs, and they asked Jesus to leave the region. Now, I have the perfect story about this. I knew a man, and he hurt himself at work. 
and he sued his employer for workman's comp. And I went to him one day and I said, Jesus can heal you. And he said, I would rather have the workman's comp because I get that for life. This region lost $250,000 that day in those pigs. And they asked Jesus to leave. This is a great story, right? So the man got free. Now, I love the next part. The man says, please let me go with you. (laughs) I mean, wouldn't you? (laughs) Don't make me stay here with all these people. They would rather have the workman's comp money than Jesus. Begged, Jesus, please, can I go with you? Jesus said, no, go back to your home, to your family, and tell them what the Lord has done for you. Tell them how he had mercy on you. Listen, so the man left and went into the region of Jordan's and part of Syria to tell everyone. What did Jesus just do? He created an evangelist. He could have hung out with Jesus. But Jesus knew the power of the man's story. I was naked running around in the graveyard. I had a mob in me, a horde. I had $250,000 inside me. Come on. So see... This is such a great indicator. Jesus just simply had the authority needed. He actually conversed with the demon. There's nowhere in here that Jesus says, freaked out by what the demon said. Do you you see that Jesus in you is so hungry to be the Jesus of the Bible? Do you see that at all? Don't get in the way. With your insecurity and the not sureness and not know if I'm led, don't know if I have authority, don't know if I'm afraid. I mean, he just wants the Jesus to be expressed to what? Free people. You never know. You might be making an evangelist. You never know. Right? That's a great story, right? Let's do another one. You want to? Let's do Matthew 15. There's so many, but I'm just picked a few for you tonight. This is one of my very favorites. This is Matthew 15, 21. In the passion called the Lebanese woman, Jesus left and went north into the non-Jewish. Catch it. He knew he was going to a non-Jewish region. It's really important that you understand these little things He encountered there a Canaanite woman who shouted at him, Lord, son of David, show mercy on me. My daughter is horribly afflicted by a demon that torments her, but Jesus never answered her. Why? Jesus himself said he was called to what? Just the Jews. He went to a non-Jewish place to give you this story. This part of the movie happened on purpose. Are you with me at all? Anyone? But Jesus never answered, so his disciples said to him, can't you see him? Hey, 
Why are you ignoring this woman? She's crying out. She's embarrassing us. Jesus said right there, I've only been sent to the lost sheep of Israel. But she came and bowed down before him, which was an act of what? Acknowledgement of who he is. And said, help me. It's my, it's my favorite song. It's my favorite words. I use it quite often, practically a million times a day. Lord, help me. Because he responds to the genuine cry of my heart. And Jesus says, it's not right for a man to take bread from his children and throw it to the dogs. <laughs> Don't you love that, Jesus? Right there in front of the disciples and everybody. And she said, you're right, Lord, but even puppies get to eat the crumbs that fall from the princess table. And he said, dear woman, your faith is strong. Did you get that from that story at all? Puppies, crumbs, dog, bread, what? Jesus saw faith. What if Jesus came to you and said, yeah, you don't deserve healing? I mean, the enemy tells us that all the time. Come on, let's be honest. She was like, I don't care what you're saying. You're the man. You're the man, and this is what I need. You're the man. My daughter's sick. My daughter just went to the doctor. My daughter saw the physician, but you're the man. And he like, okay, this is what he said. What you desire will be done for you. And at that very moment, her daughter was instantly free from the demonic torment. It's her faith. Her faith was the conduit for healing. Challenge yourself. Realize that, that the... The demonic loves to take up residence any way he can. He loves to attach to things in your body that keep you from feeling victorious. When he begins to show up, call him out on it. Call a friend. Hey, I figured out. You know, one of the things that the Leviathan spirit does is in the neck. There's another spirit for the back. I don't have time to go through these. There's another one for the knees. All the body parts. If you will really search it out, there's an answer. We're uneducated. Just come on, be honest. We're just, we're a little ignorant. Right? We just thought we were just going to get to scoot through life and do nothing. Learn nothing. And then blame it on God. Why didn't you love me? Why'd you let bad stuff happen to me? He's trying to hand out a victorious crown. Whoever wants it, but you got to do it his way. If it's not working for you, you got to ask him. Everybody can complain. Right? Everybody can be afraid. But who can have faith? Who can exercise their faith? Come on, one more quick story. Minda's going to come to read you the very first word she ever read to me from 2014. It's really amazing. Go to James 5. Now remember, we're taking our text 
right now from 1 Corinthians 12, 9, where it says the same spirit gives the gift of faith and the same spirit gives the gift of healing. You know what that word healing means in the Greek? Remedy and medicine. That same word is, is, is really used in Proverbs. It says, um, let's, let me tell you real quick. A joyful, cheerful heart or a happy heart or a joy-filled heart is balm, curative balm. It's the same word. It's, it's basically the healing word. So that tells me, how do you make your heart joyful? Does anybody know? Personally, how you make your heart, how do you make your heart joyful, Shudi? What? Gratitude does it for her? Yeah, what does it for you, Cece? So, gratitude, recounting his blessings. What else you got? Thinking about his nature. What he's called you to do. What's possible with him. This is what makes us happy. I don't know what makes you happy, but think about how bad you feel, ain't it? It never, ever, ever will turn your heart into happiness. <laughs> Who's using that tactic? We buy into it so much. I mean, there's, you know, I'm 60. There ain't a day I wake up that everything I own hurts. <laughs> do you remember, Pam, do you remember when that day started? I mean, it wasn't always that way. But it's, it's that moment where, am I going to focus on that? I mean, the first thing I do is I think about somebody in the tribe that I just heard, got a text from, I get a lot of texts, you know, that just had a breakthrough, just had an amazing dream, just had something amazing. Calandra sent me a dream today. I haven't told her what it means yet, but it's really cool. And every day, that's what, that's what me and bro, we get up every day for that reason, to do what we're called to do. That makes my heart happy. And before you know it, Motion is lotion. I mean, for you know it, I mean, look at that. Lotion is going all around. Motion is lotion. I cl we cleaned that whole hive warehouse out there today. Motion is lotion, right? So it just depends. If I just thought, oh, man, it hurts. Man, I don't know if I feel like doing anything. Motion won't happen. Then there'll be no lotion. Curative balm. Got it? Got it? Remedy, medicine. Jesus is a physician. Why don't you go to why don't you make an appointment with Dr. Jesus every now and then? Go sit in the waiting room at Dr. Jesus' facility. Wait for them to call you in. You let him do a little scope on you. Whatever you need. Do a little heart check, a little heart monitor, and go away with what he says. He says, I am healed. He says, I'm restored. It, my body may have not caught up with that yet, but motion is lotion. I'm like, hey, hey. Right? Complaining isn't lotion. James 5, real quick. Can I do one more real quick? I'm sorry. I wasn't going to talk this long, but it's so good. We have to. Verse 13. Are there any believers in your fellowship suffering great hardship and distress? This is a question. He says, encourage them to pray. Don't you love that? 
It didn't even say go over there and make them dinner or nothing. Encourage them to pray. Hardship, pray. Get it? These are some instructions. Are there any happy ones? I wake up happy every day. Anybody else wake up happy every day? Okay, we're the happy ones. Look around. We're the people every day. We wake up just happy. We can't help it. I mean, we don't have to think about it. We just wake up happy, right? Come on, stand up, happy people. Come on. We're the happy people every day. Oh, look at us. Here's the happy people. We can't help it. We're probably just going to sing you a song, and you're not going to like it, but hey, we're happy, okay? <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> Encourage them to sing out their praises. <laughs> Have you ever been singing a really cool song to God and been really sad? <laughs> not me. Not me. I'm like, man, he is amazing. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that's motion is lotion right there. Are there any sick among you? So it kind of tells me we really sickness should be the third thing we're going after here. I'm pretty sure the first two cover most of it. Yeah. But if you get down to number three here, are you sick? Then just call some old people. I am. Colleen's one. She's old. Gwen, she's old. Trace is old. Pam's old. All the old people. <laughs> to come and pray and anoint with oil. And the prayer of the, of the faithful ones will heal the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And if they've committed a sin, it'll be forgiven too. That's all occurring just with us. Do you see how we should be happening on each other right here? We don't have time to be offended. We don't have time to be a loser. We just, this is what we should be doing for each other right here. And if you need any of this, you can reach out. Everybody in here has my phone number. Everybody in here has Lynn's phone. Everybody has each other's phone. You're all talking to each other. This is what we have to be doing. And then we'll, it says, confess and acknowledge how you've offended one another. And then pray for each other to instantly be healed. That tells me offense means... I got sick. I got emotionally sick with my offense. How many in here have been offended at me? Beautiful. The more you know me, the more you'll have to forgive. You're sick. You're the ones with the sickness. It says it right there. It says pray for each other. How many have prayed? You saw these people who raised their hand. How many have prayed for them to not be offended at me any longer? <laughs> then guess what? I don't know. How are we doing tonight? Anybody offended at me tonight? <laughs> Feels like... <laughs> it says, for tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Look, those few little verses are what should be going on in the Ecclesia. Then, go back to my first statement I started with. When I go out, I'm not carrying all of this junk, trying to practice out here on people with my junk. Right? Come on, Mendel. Sorry, I didn't get you set up there good or anything, did I? So good, right? 
So good. Well, um, why do why do you think this was a birthright for us? It's a good question, right? Why is this our birthright? I mean, if you really press into that, I love that she mentioned used that phraseology because a birthright means something is yours from the moment you're born. And what is a little baby when they're first born? What's a new? What can they do? Nothing. Nothing. So without doing anything, without having any ability, they have the right to be healed. And that's us. So if you've heard this teaching tonight and this message tonight, it doesn't really matter where you are on the spectrum of, of maturity or knowledge or practice or implementation of any of this. You get to just focus on the fact that it's yours and you get to own it. And so I wanted, I did want to read this word tonight. I felt like the Holy Spirit's been bringing it back to my attention lately. And I went, he told me to revisit it myself today, which I haven't done in a really long time. But this is why, this is why he wants you to have this birthright. And this is why his heart over you and his heart over everyone that you encounter, who you will have the opportunity to pray for or to bring and minister to them, healing to them, or just tell them that they have the birthright. I mean, isn't that a great starting place to tell someone you have the right as a child of God to be healed? You have a right to have as a child of God to be healed. I mean, wow, that's a whole ministry right there, right? So like she said, I wrote this in, in uh, 2014, in July of 2014. can't believe it's been that long. And um, it was a picture that he was showing, a whole storyline that he that Papa was showing me. And so I began to write it out. And um, for the sake of continuity and reading this, I'm just going to keep it in with the, the she pronouns, okay? So all of you guys know this can apply to you, men and women alike. But I'm just going to keep it simple tonight. So I said, thank you, God, that it is your intention and desire to give us everything we need to continue to work in us to see every seed sprout into fullness, to see us refined into the fullness of who you created us to be. You are in it for the long haul. We are not just bodies set in motion like a wind-up toy that you watch and see what it will do. No, you are intentionally working with us, within us, and all around us every single step of the way. You aren't a one-time creator. You are the never-ending artist, sculpting and molding us throughout our lives. There is no artist like you. What kind of artist pours himself into his masterpiece never placing it on a shelf or sending it away for display in some faraway land. What kind of artist deems his masterpiece too valuable to be sold? What kind of artist gives himself as payment for the joy of keeping his masterpiece close? Only you, Lord. You are the artist who tends to his masterpiece tirelessly, patiently, tenderly, with joy in the process until it perfectly reflects the unique place in your heart from which it came. You never give up on it, tossing it aside as a lost cause. You don't doubt for a moment that it will be perfected. There is 
No fear or frustration in the process. You lovingly nurture every detail. You don't hide your masterpiece away until it's perfected, but instead proudly display it just as it is. You say, see this beauty, this love, see my very heart in her. I am love and she is created out of me. Here, here is a special part of me that I wanted you to see. Can you adopt that over the people that you see? Can you adopt that over yourself? That he's saying, here is a special part of me that I wanted the world to see. She represents a uniquely rich, deeply beautiful characteristic of me. I love her dearly. This part of me is so uniquely special that I chose to highlight it for you in this masterpiece. She has a few scuffs and scrapes because not everyone saw her value. She herself lost sight of who she was and where she came from. She didn't always require the care from others that I intended her to have. My heart broke every time she believed them over me. But I never stopped calling her back to me. And oh, the joy that filled my heart when she returned to me. I will keep her safe and no harm will come to her. I will show her her true value once again. She will know that she came from my very own heart. She will know my love for her, how perfectly she fits in my heart. The joy she brings me, the fullness of my great plans for her. She will learn of the way she will work alongside me to bring my kingdom. She will see my delight in her when I see her by my side. I will restore her to her original design. I will tenderly remove the markings that did not come from me. I will comfort her when she is afraid in the process. She will find that it's safe to reveal her true colors in my arms. She will learn to delight in the gifts that she contains and she will experience peace like she's never known and will freely throw back her head with joy-filled laughter. She will close her eyes in total trust and smile without restraint as she experiences the depth of my love for her. She will radiate with my love forevermore, forevermore, yes, forevermore. It's already been decided, and I've already begun. Papa, we just thank you, thank you, thank you for your artistic expression of your of the depth of your love and your care for us, for each one of us. We are not just a mass population that you're trying to hoard or herd like cats, but we are uniquely individual, unique aspects of your heart, a unique artistic creation that you have a personal relationship with, whether we know it or not. And that's a relationship that you've never been willing to set aside. You've never been willing to just throw in the recycle bin. You've never been able, been willing to just crumple it up and start over. You've been devoted and committed to each one of your children from the very, very beginning. 
So I thank you that you have been expressing your heart to the people in this room and to the people hearing this message and all the the body of Christ around the world has been hearing your heart over your children. And I thank you that you are lighting it on fire and that it's going to burn even brighter than ever before. The heart of the father will shine through his children like never before, like never seen in any previous generation. It's a brand new fire, a brand new light that's burning with a brand new passion and a brand new conviction and a brand new devotion and it will see healing to uh, released over his children it will see restoration it will see redemption for the children of God it will see it that passion will be satisfied and we will all throw our head back with joy-filled laughter and we will all smile without restraint and we will be able to operate with our eyes closed in total trust and enjoy your deep satisfaction in having your children restored to you. So I thank you, Papa, again, for expressing your heart for us individually and for every person that we come into contact with. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just breathe on this message tonight, that you would unite this this word of this expression of God's heart for people. You would ignite it. What did I say? Tie it together forever. Unite it with the message and the promise of healing and the authority that you have given us as children on this earth. Unite the heart of the Father with the promise of the Son and the power that was given to us by the Son. Unite it in us. Unite it in the body of Christ and let it move with power and conviction and devotion across the land today. So Holy Spirit, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Papa God. We thank you. We love you. We love you. We love you. We could sing in your praises forever, forevermore. We love you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life Okay. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.